to title it, we're going to title it, In Christ You Can Be Calm. In Christ You Can Be Calm. Now the wonderful truth about being a Christian, about being in Christ, is that the transformation which comes to us in Christ is not just about us getting to heaven. Uh, just, it, it's not just about us spending eternity with Christ. Uh, Jesus also walks with us to, to, to bring practical and real life changes now to move the, uh, really the old self, the old man, out of the way so that the new self can grow. Uh, he wants us to grow and mature and live, really live in him. And in Christ, you are a different person. In Christ, you are a spirit-transformed person. As a matter of fact, the most scriptural evidence that you are really saved is your changed life. It seems that this is the motive which Paul has in mind when he writes Philippians chapter 4. Uh, this isn't about setting out a, a, a new set of commands to cause you even more guilt when you fail to follow them. It seems to be about Christ um, loving us enough to, um, to help us in our walk, to help us live for him. So out of love for you, Jesus wants you to know that, that you can be calm. <laughs> you can be anxiety-free. You can be at peace. Let's read it together. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. It says, be careful. Another word might be, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, because we're not reading the original Greek, it's not easy to see, but, but in the Greek, the verb form here is an imperative. Uh, for lack of a better description, an imperative is, is a call to change, or, or it's a command that's given. And in the verse here is, is one of those imperatives. Do not be anxious, okay? Just don't. Do not be anxious. It's not offered as, as some useful suggestion. It's not something that you put on your to-do list that you can eventually forget to do. In fact, the way the Greek reads, if you want a more literal translation, it says, no more, and keep having no more anxiety about anything. Now, that, that's the command, which is interesting. Um, I think it's an interesting way to get people to stop being anxious, right? It might sound like it'll work about as well as telling somebody to calm down. You know, in the history of calming down, nobody's ever calmed down by being told to calm down. All the husbands said, or are afraid to say, amen, right? Because that just never seems to happen. We all know how well that works when we tell our spouses to calm down. Yeah. Imagine you're on a flight about to take off. Imagine the flight attendant giving the talk about wearing the seat belt and putting on the life jacket and all the safety things that won't make a bit of difference if that plane falls out of the sky, right? Afterwards, one of the cabin uh, members comes to this flight attendant and says, hey, the passenger in 15C is a little anxious, and they want to talk to you. 
So she goes to the little old lady that is now in row 15C and says, Are you anxious, dear? And the little old lady says, Yes, yes, I am, I am anxious. And the flight attendant responds, Well, stop it! Stop it right now! Pull yourself together! You're being ridiculous! Is that what Paul's doing here? I mean, is, is that's what, I mean, is, is Paul acting like this, this flight attendant bully that, that you know, couldn't care less about how you feel? Obviously it's not, okay? There's a command, but the command has a context. And the context is another imperative. It's another command. Look at what it says. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Keep coming back to God and praying to him. Keep coming back to God, letting him know what is going on. It, it, it isn't offered, again, as this useful suggestion. Praying is not something you do when you're bored because your internet went down or because you can't fall asleep. Similarly translated, it's, it's make known and keep making known your request to God. So what's the message coming through here in these verses? Well, it's that you can be calm. But to be calm, you need to learn to pray properly. Now, you're probably thinking, but, but I do pray. I uh, pray about things that are on my mind and... I seek, I try to hand them over to God. I do regularly ask the Lord to give me peace. I come to God and, and I cast my cares on him. I've been, I've been asking him to give me rest. Well, we, we do pray. But to remove anxiety, what God is looking for here is a specific type of prayer. We see what type of prayer is required by looking at the prayer words, so to speak, that Paul is using here. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, we're going to go through each of these to help us out a little bit, help us understand what we're looking at. The prayer is, is pros UK. Uh, another example of this is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, where he says, The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. The same word. The prayer being spoken of here is kind of an end of days or an end of time type prayer. When everything has completely fallen apart and the world is in absolute chaos and your your life is sitting in ruins down around your feet you get down on your knees and you cry out to God knowing that all you really have is him and your faith in him it is ongoing consistent persistent it's the opposite of what is called often foxhole-type prayers. In a war, a foxhole is that dug-in position just before the enemy line. And it's a place of danger, and foxhole prayers sound something like this. Um, it'll say, Lord, my son's in the hospital because he's been, been run over. Please heal him. Or, Father, my husband has just walked out on me, and I'm alone with my three children. Help me. Or, God, I've just lost my job, I'm 45, and I can't do this without you. 
But when the son comes out of the hospital, when the husband comes back, when the new job arrives, well, then the prayers become less and less frequent. Those are foxhole prayers. Prayer which removes anxiety can't be a series of foxhole type prayers. Anxiety is removed as we habitually come to God with all our requests, even and especially the small ones. For as we see God working and answering us in these small issues, we are given greater confidence that we can trust him to answer when it comes to the larger issues. We need to develop the habit of running to God always, all the time, consistently, not just running to him with our big problems because we think we can handle the little ones. And as we see God constantly working, then we'll stop being so anxious. The next word we see is uh, supplication. It's often translated petition. It's a Greek word, desis. We see an example of this in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, where Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, Paul has been preaching the gospel for about a decade or so. It's been about 25 years since uh, Jesus rose from the dead. Thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, are coming to repentance and faith, but not enough of them are Paul's Jewish brethren, and he is burdened for them. So Paul comes to God petitioning or supplicating God about that situation. If you want to sense of how this petitioning, this supplicating works, and the way Paul would do this, Romans chapter 9, verse 3 says this, For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. And that shows Paul's heart in this prayer. This petition would be a daily petition, regularly on his heart and mind. This petition is not tacked on to the end of before dinner prayer. It's regularly prayed. It's the get up early and come to God prayer. And it keeps driving Paul forward to preach the gospel with conviction. Now you apply that approach to, to supplication, to, to petition, to you apply that to stop being anxious or stop being careful. Would those things that cause us anxiety be able to overwhelm us then? If we put the energy that we spend worrying into the energy it takes to petition God, would that level of anxiety be so much less? I think it would. We would be driven forward in the conviction that we don't need to be anxious because we have taken our concerns to our God. That word thanksgiving that you see in verse... uh, verse 6 with thanksgiving the greek word is eucharistia okay means thanksgiving paul here is reflecting on our attitude as we pray it's a similar uh, attitude that comes by remembering the context that we pray in leave something here in philippians go to the right a little bit till you find colossians very next book 
I want you to find chapter 2. I want to read a couple verses to you. Colossians uh, chapter 2, look at verse 1. For I, for I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Verse 2 says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all, uh, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledging of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ Verse 3, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Drop down to verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus our Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. That is the context in which we pray. In the middle of, of the anxiety, there is an unmovable, unbreakable, unconditional truth. We have Christ. You need to understand that. You need to get that. This is an eternal truth which gives us a whole other perspective where anxiety fades into insignificance. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. But, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sin has been defeated. Death has been defeated. The anxiety that comes from sin and sickness and death then falls really ultimately into insignificance. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, Paul affirms that truth where he says for in Adam all die even so in Christ all shall be made alive in Christ is the reversal of all that came because of the fall into sin all of us being born into Adam the brokenness is undone in Christ relationships are restored in Christ the lack of security is turned into hope in Christ. That's prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. It says prayer, petitioning God with thanksgiving. You bring them together when you are anxious and you will be learning how to pray in a way where you can stop being anxious. When you do that, presenting the requests which cause you to be anxious, you find yourself in a place which is the opposite of a life of anxiety. And that place opposite to the place of anxiety is a place of peace. It's a place where God wants us to be. It's a place where God wants us to live. But let's understand that the prayer to stop anxiety is not a prayer that removes the causes of anxiety. The prayer to stop anxiety is a prayer that brings us through the causes of anxiety without, without the response of anxiety. There will still be pain and death 
There will still be relationship breakdowns. There will still be misunderstandings. There will still be persecutions and hatefulness. There will still be bills and unemployment and MRIs. There will be deadlines and exams and expectations and vulnerability and second-guessing ourselves. These things which cause us anxiety, they will still exist. But when we pray properly, our perspective on those things changes and we move to a place of peace. Now, to help understand the meaning of the word here, let me tell you about the Septuagint. The Septuagint is a translation of the Old Testament from Hebrew into Greek. The translation was made by the Jewish scholars and it was written because of the influence of the Greeks where the primary language of many nations around the Mediterranean Sea was, of course, Greek. So even today, you can compare the Greek and the Hebrew Old Testaments to find out uh, what Greek words were used uh, to translate the Hebrew words. It's really pretty useful to help you understand the meaning of, uh, of some of the Hebrew words that are used there. Um, in our text, the word for peace, the Greek word irene, consistently, when it's used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew, the word is from, from the Hebrew, it's shalom, right? Shalom. Now that word for peace, shalom, is a peach, peace which comes in spite of circumstances. It's a peace which comes uh, even though the circumstances may be painful. It is a spiritual peace. It is a nothing is going to rock my faith kind of peace. A peace where my mind is safe no matter what's going on in my life. I have a fullness of life because I know with God I am at peace. That's the perspective we're given. But there's more. This peace has transcendence. Now, transcendence is a, is, is, is a big word that we really only have a vague definition of, of what it means. In English, the word means an experience beyond the normal. You have peace beyond the normal. Well, okay. Still not sure I'm grasping the idea, right? The Greek word can have another sense. Let me read to you Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Where it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. That word, be subject, is the same word we have back in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. The idea being expressed here is a superiority of rank. The peace of God will outrank understanding. All the stuff that anxiety produces, the negative thoughts, where your mind goes a thousand different directions, the fears, the worries, where we can become blinded to reality, that sense of insecurity and hopelessness when circumstances become bigger than we can see the top of, the tools of Satan that make us doubt God's care for us, the peace of God outranks them all. Now remember that this is, this doesn't cause uh, 
what causes the anxiety to be taken away. What we're getting here is a perspective that because of God's peace outranking all of my circumstances, I can keep moving forward. I do not have to be paralyzed by fear and anxiety. Peace will ultimately, eventually outrank all of these things that cause me anxiety. That's a perspective we're given. But there's more. Our hearts and minds will be guarded by the peace, protected by the peace that outranks the anxiety and all its causes. Remember, Paul's writing to, to the first century here, and, and so when we think of guarding, I want you to think about the city and the walls and the gates. Many cities were like that. Very important to the city's defenses were the guards who stood on the walls or at the gate just watching, all right? Their job was to keep an eye out for the enemy and then give as much warning as possible so the city could be prepared to defend itself. Okay, that's the idea here. Peace, superior peace, outranking everything else peace, gives your heart and mind a warning so it can be prepared to face whatever might cause you anxiety. That's a wonderful perspective to be able to have because of, of, of who you are in Christ, because you are in Christ, and because you are in Christ, you can be calm you can have peace and it is promised even when we do become anxious because you know i know we we every christian worth their salt knows that there will be times when anxiety will get the better of us we know that we will not always obey this command to not be anxious but to pray Often in spite of our prayers, in spite of our thinking, in spite of our actions, God will still bring us peace. Even when we don't fulfill this command, we can still have peace. See, God doesn't want to add to your anxiety. So he secured us a way to be at peace, to have peace. Through the cross, he gives a comprehensive answer to the real guilt of our sin. Through his son, God has enabled us to feel and be secure in him. Through reconciliation, through our faith in Christ, we have the peace of knowing that God is with us, that he is in us, that we are in him. When we become anxious, that is our hope. When we become worrisome, this is where we turn our sure conviction that we still have Christ. And we keep coming back to the truth. Keep coming back to the truth that we don't need to be anxious or concerned, but we pray and we pray and we pray. And we can be calm. We can be anxiety-free. We can be at peace, not because our world isn't falling apart, but because we are in Christ even when our world is falling apart. He is our 
peace. Would you stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed? Father, we, we come to you this morning really again guilty of um, not following your commands. Of thinking that there are things in our life we can handle without your help. Of thinking that coming to you with our concerns really is just resolved, re- reserved for the, for the big things. And Lord, because of our disobedience to this command, we have become an anxious people. That we are not at peace. Father, I pray that your spirit would search our hearts. That whatever it is that is causing us anxiety, we can bring to you. That we can petition you. That we can consistently and persistently bring these cares to you with a heart of thanksgiving and allow you not just to remove the anxiety but to replace that anxiety with your outranking beyond understanding peace. Father, we need your Spirit's help to obey this command. Because we are proud and we think we can handle things on our own and we cannot. Work in us, Father, a complete submission to you. That you not only be our peace, but you be our strength. And it's to that end we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike, would you come ahead?